It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Here we go. It is episode number 56 of the Rosie Report regular season roundup, road trip recap, and waiver claim acquisition edition of the Rosie Report. A lot going on as we head into Labor Day weekend and the Guardians opening up a new homestand against Tampa Bay on Friday night at Progressive Field. Jim Rosenhouse along with you. Great to have you with us for another edition of the Rosie Report. Coming up a little bit later on in the podcast today, we'll get the complete press conference of Chris Antonetti explaining the three acquisitions made yesterday off the waiver wire. And we'll also hear from Cole Calhoun, who had a big day Wednesday over in Minneapolis helping the Guardians to another win on what turned out to be a 4-2 and two road trip to Toronto and Minnesota. Excellent play by the Guardians to put themselves back in position to make a move. It's still a heavy climb here in the month of September. They're five games behind front-running Minnesota, but the way they played on the last road trip, the acquisitions they made on Thursday, certainly optimism running high around the ballpark as they hit town and take on the Rays tonight. First, a look back at Wednesday's game. A 2-0 lead for Minnesota late, but the Guardians scratched for runs in the 8th and ninth innings to tie it. And then in the 10th, with a couple of men aboard, Cole Calhoun stepped in. Here's the 3-0. He swings and drives one high in the air. Deep right center field. It's on out of here. Home run, Cole Calhoun. And the Guardians are in front. A three-run blast on a 3-0 pitch for Cole Calhoun. Cleveland has taken the lead 5-2. Tremendous what Calhoun has done since being acquired. And for the second time on the road trip, his big base hit, and in this case a home run, proved to be a game winner in extra innings. He had done it on Sunday with an RBI double, a two-run double, in Toronto to win that ball game and take the series, and he did the same thing this time with a home run against the Twins in extra innings to help the Guardians to a series win. And after the game, he talked about the importance of the win in the long-term view heading down the stretch. Uh, really good. I went in a series uh, against people, a team we're trailing, you know, and so um, especially we're playing them next weekend, you know, and so. Uh, Definitely huge. I played some good baseball way over here and uh, had a chance to win all three. Really did. So, um, like where we're at right now, and ride this momentum into, into next month. Got ahead of Frederick 3 0. Was there anything that you picked up uh, in, in seeing him on Monday that, that you used in that bat? Nah, not necessarily. I mean, got to got to see him, got to see the arm slot, I guess. But um, other than that, not really. Laid off a couple of close pitches and got one I could handle and didn't mess it. What does it mean to be able to, to just walk out here, you know, 
after coming back that way and sending them sort of message across the field for when they come to town next week? I don't care what message it sends. I mean, I, I just, you got to care about what's in here. And so um, these guys don't quit. We haven't quit since I've been here and uh, didn't do it again today and, and come, come away with a series win. Also after the game, manager Terry Francona weighed in on the growing legend that is Cole Calhoun. I mean, it, it, this is two games now on this road trip where we're in extra innings and we're about ready to strand runners and not score, and it turns into a win because of two of his swings. Um, we see guys 3-0 all the time, and you, and you let guys for the most part swing. Swing at bad pitches or not take advantage. What does it say that he was ready? Uh, the idea is, and everybody has a different philosophy, and ours is, is if you can change the game with a swing, or if it's more important to be able, to, you know, the outcome is better than a walk. And right there, I mean, there's a lot of trust with him, and he kind of proved us right. What do you think of Tanner today? You know, good. I mean, he's been good every game. I, you know, long, you know, we gave up the two, we had two walks in the inning. I think it was a 32 pitch inning, and it ended up being give the uh, give. Uh, yeah, Polanco crowd. I mean, he kind of got jammed, but he's strong enough to serve it out there for. But but no, he's been he's been good. How much do you appreciate these guys just never giving up? Uh, they're not they're not allowed. <laughs> but but I do I do I I love that in this group and I have always it's part of what makes this fun and I do appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. The, the wild pitch there, were you, were you concerned about anything, or was it he couldn't challenge that it was a, a no swing or anything? Right? Didn't really matter if he swings, he's going to be at first anyway. Didn't really matter. Because the ball went to the backstop. Bullpen, again, just to, you know, just knowing the situation how the first two games went and the guys you had to use and how you got through, just what does it say? And then we're trying to, trying to keep an eye on it because we've used everybody. And then Cody comes in and, and gives us two, which one, it's good for him, but it really helped us. I'll take him at the work time. For yes, you. it's a it's a perfect time. We can this this took a lot of this took a lot of a, a lot of energy and took a lot. So we the guys deserve it. Last thing, I know you don't look back, you don't look too far, far forward. I know that about you, but you guys have won back to back series for the first you won your first series in a month in Toronto. Just. What does that say about where you guys are at? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, again, you, we move, we do, we move on quick. I think that's the best way to continue is to put it in a rearview mirror, learn from your mistake or what you did and see, because we're going to, you know, Tampa's going to be coming up and I know Glass now is ready. I mean, so we'll be, try to get ready for the next challenge. Not that you're making too much of this series, but you guys leave here with making a little bit of a dent in the division race. I think we kind of had to. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're, they're still in a really good spot, and we know that, but keep playing. So a real nice ending to the road swing for the Guardians as, uh, again, they move to within five games of first place Minnesota. The Twins will be here on Labor Day Monday for a three-game series, Monday and Tuesday nights and Wednesday afternoon, so another opportunity to make up ground on the front-running Twins in head-to-head -head action. Now to bolster the team, Chris Antonetti and the front office, well, they made some moves on Thursday with waiver claims. A lot of players out there on the waiver wire this year, and the rules were a little bit different, and the Guardians able to take advantage as they acquired 
starting pitcher Lucas Giolito and relievers Reynaldo Lopez and Matt Moore off the waiver wire. They had been placed there by the Angels, not the team that any of the three started their season with, but uh, certainly keys to success maybe for the Angels at the trade deadline. It didn't work out. They were made available, and the Guardians claimed them to bolster the ball club on the pitching front, and the president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, talked about it yesterday. So we had a unique opportunity today to acquire three players um, to hopefully impact us moving forward as we continue to try to compete with the Twins for the AL Central. Um, Starting with Lucas Giolito, he's been a really effective and durable major league starter for most of his career. And we're excited to have him join our rotation to help uh, stabilize that um, and provide us some competitive innings moving forward. And then in Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez, we feel like we've added two arms to our bullpen that will both improve our depth, uh, guys that have experience pitching late in the games and should give Tito and Carl some more options for us to match up uh, as we move forward. Chris, how quickly did you put together a strategy uh, for these waiver claims once uh, you learned who would be made available by the Angels and and the other teams? We started discussions right away, Joe, uh, at least the internal discussions. And, you know, as we you know, there were a number of players on waivers, not just these three, but in the end, we felt um, these three were the, the three that made the most sense for us. And, you know, we were fortunate to be able to put in claims and be awarded the claims. Chris, what does this mean for the rotation with Giolito? Uh, we're in the process of working through that, Zach. He'll obviously slot in. Um, we're trying to coordinate travel and when he'll get here and when it makes sense to slide him in. But um, so we'll have more to come on that probably tomorrow. Any developments with Gavin Williams or just the rookies in general and and what you guys want to do with them? Uh, Nothing new. Gavin did have a good day today, came into the ballpark, um, was feeling better, got some treatment, um, but seems to be progressing pretty well. Um, We'll continue to have more information on him each day as we move along. But uh, as of right now, it looks like we've avoided uh, the worst case. So, Bruce, how how do you uh, fit these guys on the roster? So we had to make the immediate moves for the 40-man, which we designated Eric Haas and Peyton Battenfield, and those that's how we created the two 40-man spots. Uh, we don't have to make corresponding moves until um, on the 26-man until they report. Chris, you called it a, a unique opportunity. I'm just, from your vantage point of, of when this uh, came down uh, in the last few days, it's obviously unusual for, you know, for a team to put this many players on waivers and, and this this many experienced players, that sort of thing. Um, just what was your your, your take on, on on seeing that develop? And because it is so unusual. Yeah. I, well, these weren't the only three guys on waivers. There were other teams right. that placed players on waivers in similar situations. But um, we looked at it as an opportunity to improve our team, and it's rare that you have the ability to improve the team during a season, uh, especially with quality players like this, when it doesn't require. Um, trading white good players. I mean, I think if you look at the return, um, you know, a number of these players were traded for a month ago um, to be able to acquire them for, you know, a meaningful amount of cash, but um, but no player capital. I think it was a, a move that made a lot of sense and one that doesn't happen that often. Chris, what, would you have, uh, if you didn't go four and two on this last road trip, would you have done this? No, I'm not sure, Paul. It's hard to deal in hypotheticals. I'm glad we went four and two on the road trip and we had this opportunity. Chris, how hard is it to integrate, um, especially on the pitching side, guys, you know, this late in the season 
um, you know, and, and coaches working with them, that sort of thing. Well, the good news is, especially with uh, Lucas and Ronaldo, we have a lot of familiarity with both guys, having having faced them for a number of years within the division. So we'll start that process as quickly as we can. Obviously, we'll look to build on what they've done successfully in the past and uh, try to help them assimilate into our team as, as quickly and as smoothly as possible. Of course, I, I don't mean to sound – well, I did, I'm probably going to sound stupid here, but how does this process work? I mean, we're, it's like these guys just fell in your lap. Well, the way the process works is, you know, if a player is on waivers, uh, on outright waivers, any team could submit a claim, and the team – of all of the teams that submit claims, the only team that's eligible for them is a team with the worst record among that group. So in this case in particular – we submitted claims, and I'm guessing a number of other teams submitted claims on these three guys, and we were the team with the worst record, so we were awarded the claim. Chris, knowing that teams behind you in that order might have also been interested in some of these guys, did that motivate you any more to, to make any of these claims? Our primary motivation was trying to improve our team um, and find ways to, to get better, but obviously there's a secondary benefit of you know, teams that you know, we're chasing in Minnesota, you know, don't have the opportunity to get these guys. And, you know, hopefully that that's a dual benefit for us. So were you guys surprised you got all three, given you had no idea? I assume you found out at the same time. Yeah, we, we didn't really have any idea. Um, you know, if our record was better, our chances of getting them would have been worse. So we had a pretty good understanding of where we were and where we felt in the competitive standings. And, you know, we weren't sure if we get, one, two, or three of them, but uh, we're happy we were able to get all three. Did you put any claims in on anyone you didn't get? I can't talk about what hap- what what might have happened otherwise, um, but you could actually probably piece that together, Paul, and see where <laughs> players ended up and where they didn't end up. But I'll leave that to your to your detective work to figure that out. Yeah, we're in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe phone a friend, Paul, if you need help on that one. So, Chris, this is just like, I mean, it's not like, you know, the the August 31st where you could, you know, you could make trades before, you know, the when there was two trade deadlines. But it's kind of like the same thing, isn't it? It is. The difference, though, in that case is that the, the waivers, trade waivers, what were trade waivers in the past, those waivers were revocable. So if a team placed players on waivers, another team claimed them. If the teams couldn't work out player value, you know, the other team could revoke those waivers and choose to keep them. The change now is once players are placed on waivers, if another team submits a claim like we did, there you don't have to negotiate a trade. We just get those players for the waiver price. Does that make sense, Paul? I'm happy to take explain more offline if you have interest. No, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there any hesitation at taking the uh, remaining salaries of these guys? Yeah, I give. I give uh, our ownership a ton of credit, you know, and I think it's a consistent theme. Every, you know, every opportunity that we've had to improve the team, the limitation hasn't been finances. And whether that's this year or years past, uh, we've been really fortunate to have finances available to try to do that. When we haven't made moves, it's mostly been because the the player value we would have to give up uh, exceeded what we thought made sense. And in this case, as I said, there was no player value. So it was really a, financial considerations and then how we could fit them on the roster. And, you know, both of those things made sense. And like I said, I think we are grateful for the support from ownership to try to make this improvement. 
did uh, this being perhaps Tito's last season as manager, did that uh, have any impetus impetus between behind these acquisitions? Uh, I mean, we're obviously cognizant of that, Paul, but I think our focus is how do we, you know, we came off a good road trip and how do we try to continue to build on that momentum and give ourselves the best chance to compete for the postseason. And like I said before, whether or not that will be good enough and whether or not we can close the gap that's in front of us, we don't know, but we want to try. So there it is. A lot to look forward to heading into the weekend as the Guardians take on Tampa Bay, a top-shelf ball club that's battling for the top spot in the American League East. So it won't be easy this weekend here in downtown Cleveland, but great news tonight. Cal Quantrill on Friday night will be back on the mound for the Guardians coming off the injured list to uh, also help bolster that starting rotation as uh, the Guardians load up for the stretch drive now with the month of September upon us. That's going to do it for this edition of the Rosie Report, episode 56 in the books. Until next time, this is Jim Rosenhouse thanking you for downloading and listening to the Rosie Report. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.